Hello and welcome to Top 5's The Show of Everything. Top 5's presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joey Prouty. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we have just a, um, a show that is outside of this world. It's outside of this atmosphere. Um, you're not going to be able to breathe. It's going to be so good. But before we get to um, all, of, all of the space heroics, Jonathan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing just well, man. <laughs> just swell. Just well. Just swell? Just well. Or just well. Just well. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm both those things, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, bringing you guys a, an episode from a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Trying to hit at what we might be talking about today. Just steering, steering things. It's just steering things. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, things are great, dude. Having a good uh, week so far. Of course, it is Monday, so it's the start of the week. Week is dragging a little bit, but um, I don't know. Excited for the weekend, and hmm, it is uh, definitely heating up over here and in Los Angeles. Uh, sauna in my room right now, and <laughs> we're recording, so I'm like, oh man. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a cool week so far, and just really excited to talk some. Intergalactic planetaries. Beastie <laughs> <Cute> boys. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, I think we have sort of, they're not similar lists this week, but they are kind of parallel to each other. And you'll see what I mean by that. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to, to get to the lists, but you're, you're good. We're all good. On your side of the world, other than the heat. And the heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Joe, that's good. how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. As you said, it's it's Monday. Um, but this is, as always, my favorite part of a Monday. Um, just talking pop culture with my boy. Um, Sean Daytime Day. And so many other nicknames. Oh, that, yes. ooh, I just came up with a list. Top five nicknames I've given you. Ooh. Throughout our twenty, almost twenty-five years of, there's quite a lot. Friendship. There's actually, there's probably more than five. Actually, oh, there's like a good forty or five, <laughs> <laughs> forty-five. There's so many combinations, <laughs> so many, just like Lego bricks. <laughs> yeah, Day that was a good one. Topinopolis, Day Topinopolis. Yeah. yeah, I mean daytime. The original, the OG. The OG man. The what OG. time is it? It's fucking daytime. <laughs> Um, it's that'll be another episode, yeah. but one we we definitely need to have. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Got my Gosh, we're just coming up with so many ideas, man. I know the ideas are flowing, man. Inspirado. <laughs> um, but yeah, top five Sean nicknames. That'll maybe next week. Be yeah. prepared. Be prepared. Well, the audience is kind of funny because Joey and I uh, usually laugh because we're. I feel like I've. I sometimes have to text Joey. And say, hey, have we done this list yet? <laughs> Just like the ones that we're going to talk about today. Like, I, was, uh, I wasn't sure because I feel like we might have touched. But it's funny because some of the, um, I would say, the films on this uh, kind of relate to lists that we've had in the past. So I'm really excited to talk some more movies for you guys. Shall we, shall we venture into it? Yes. Joey, right. what are your top five favorite space thrillers i am so glad full disclosure you gave me a bit of a head start on this um and because 
I like movies set in space, but I, I wouldn't consider myself like a, like a connoisseur or anything. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had to think about it for a second and kind of look up like, okay, space thrillers, like it's a specific genre and it's kind of cool to like try to narrow that down. So like right off the bat, I don't count the star Wars movies. Those are space fantasies. So I'm going to say a space thriller is a separate thing just to kind of, cause you could make a whole list of just fucking star Wars movies. Right. <laughs> um, so space thrillers, um, number five, I'm going to go with Christopher Nolan's interstellar. Nice. Um, this movie, I'm not a huge fan of it because I think the emotion, it swings high, sw- swings real big for the emotion and it only connects one time. But this one time is enough to, I think, save the emotion of the movie. And that is yeah. when uh, Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway come back from the water planet and five minutes passes on that planet planet and 20 years passes on earth so they come up and they're late because Anne Hathaway was being dumb or something I think and um, all this time has passed like 30 or 40 years has passed and they watch videotapes of their family sending them one way messages and I don't think they can send messages back and the sense of just I'm starting to feel it right now claustrophobia and dread um, that is one of the most visceral moments I've had watching a movie and I don't know how long. And, um, it feels like you're in a coffin and people are praying to their love, their dead loved ones. It was, it's yeah. That, that perspective that they put and you know, they, they say it, they, you know, like those years pass by and and that's just the reality of, of how space works and, and you know, how far they are from each other. Uh, but seeing that, you know, the, you know, knowing also that unknowing feeling that the character's getting right. Yeah. You know, of, of, you know, oh my God, you know, like my daughter could die or, you know, overpass me, you know, if I stay here and, and whatnot. The stakes are a little bit higher on that level, I guess. So, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not my favorite of the bunch, but that one scene in particular, um, I love it. I think it's so freaking well done. And it's amazing that the rest of the movie isn't up to that standard in terms of the characters emoting and describing their emotions and that kind of thing. Very heavy handed. Um, Number four, I am going to go with uh, the Martian or the Scots, the Martian. Martian, Um, It's, I don't think it hits an emotional beat as hard as interstellar does, but I think it's a very consistent, well-made film. And, you know, from scene to scene, you're interested, you're guessing um, it has your attention um, so yeah, Martian, the Martian. um, number, th- <laughs> <laughs> number three is kind of similar to the Martian. Um, and I don't know if it qualifies as a thriller or more of a, um, autobiographical movie, but, um, I think it does a good job with the suspense. So I'm going to slide Apollo 13 into, uh, the number three position. Um, Tom Hanks, boys and girls. Okay. <laughs> there you go. I don't even need to fucking get into it. It's Tom Hanks. Quite a cast too. Like, it is. Tom it's Hanks. huge, really good cast. And I'm blanking on uh, everyone off the top of my head. Kevin Bacon. Clint Howard. Clint <laughs> Howard. Uh, this, oh, is, who's the uh, other guy? Is Ed Wood in it? Not Ed Wood. Um, uh, I'm sorry. James Wood is, but I don't think so. It's the guy. Who's the guy? The main like uh, commander. Uh, the main guy. I'm looking at, Apollo. I'm looking up the cast. Yeah. Ed, uh, what's his name? Ed Harris? Ed Harris? Ed Harris, Harris, right? Yeah. 
Ed Harris. Ooh, Gary Sinise. Sinise? Yeah, what a cast. Yeah. Ed Harris is in it. Nice. Um, Bill Paxton. So, yeah. It's a really... It's probably Ron Howard's best. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. I, I feel that, too. So, we talked shit about you last week, Ron Howard, but you made number three on my list this week. So, <laughs> you can win or lose week to week on top fives. Uh, number number two. This is another... This is a... Maybe not a, a very popular opinion, but um, I'm going to put Blade Runner 2049. Um... I've always liked and respected the first Blade Runner and probably have lied about how much I've liked it. I've exaggerated because it's one of those movies where film geeks are like, fuck, oh, dude, Blade Runner, dude, Blade Runner, dude. And first of all, there's like six, seven fucking cuts of the movie. I'm not going to watch all of them. So which cut are we talking about? Which, which cut can we decide upon is the, is the movie if I'm going to watch it so I can have a conversation with you? And I've watched a couple of the cuts. And each time, the movie, it's it's well-made. It's comfortably made. I like mm-hmm. all the, the costumes, and, and Harrison Ford is excellent. But um, I'm always a little bored, and I'm always left cold. Like, it doesn't yeah. connect with me in, in the way that I, I want it to. Because I, I want to love this movie. I want to, like, be all like, oh, I've, I've watched each cut 32 times. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and I, I watched this on a plane of all places. But <laughs> I really, really loved Blade Runner. 24 at night. Thank God I watched on a plane because it's like nearly three hours. I would not have gotten through it in my, in my living room. I just would have gotten bored and started looking <laughs> at my phone. So it's a pretty long film too. It's very long and, um, and very well paced. It's very evenly paced and it never feels like it's jumping ahead of itself or doing the modern blockbuster thing. It takes its time. I, I agree. Man. It tells an intelligent story. Um, and I liked it so much more than I thought I would. And maybe, Maybe that's why I like it more than the first one, or I think I like it more than the first one, just because I had more of a visceral reaction to it than I did the first Blade Runner. Like, I'm sure the first Blade Runner is better. I'm sure it's more well-made because it's Ridley Scott and it's Harrison Ford and all this shit. But um, in terms of just, like, enjoyment, I really like Blade Runner 2049. So that's my number two. Visually stunning. I thought the movie looked incredible. Finally, a win for uh, Roger Deakins. Yeah. Finally. I think he should have won for Skyfall. Yeah. I I wonder, uh, what else did they win for? I feel like they won. Was it sound mixing? Because the sound design was incredible in that movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And just the everything, man, the sets. I, I really feel like the from that such a gap of the movies from the original and the, the one that just came out recently, um, the world that they created and continued to create for it, I felt was very consistent. And it, of course it took place years after too the original film. So it's like, it's cool. Cause you got to see where this, this, uh, this, uh, place is at, where this world is at. And I think that's, you know, that consistency between those two movies. I think that's like, yeah. One thing uh, to be appreciated. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. The, I mean, and the, the lighting is very dark, but never like, you don't lose your characters or anything like that. Ryan Gosling did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the script, you thought it was going to hit the predictable beats, but it always subverted your expectations. And I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, Harrison Ford is cranky as ever. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take any Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, number one, I'm going to go again, Ridley Scott. 
Alien. Um, I mean, was this 1979, maybe? Late 70s. Um, And, like, it's the design of that movie is so sleek and modern. 1979. And, um, you know, Sigourney Weaver's excellent, and everybody's really good in it. And it's a slow-build thriller. Um, I've read the book... uh, of the the screenwriter Dan O'Bannon, mm-hmm. and he references it all the time, and it's pretty cool, like to see how he came to the certain beats and why they need to land where they need to land. Um, so yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Alien. I just I think from a design standpoint, it holds up. It's suspenseful, and um, you know, truly truly unnerving. Uh, Alien, 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 number one space thriller. Such an iconic movie too. I feel for for that kind of genre, right? Yeah. You know, it was it it still holds up today, and there's you know, the you know, they're still making those movies and and keeping that character alive. But it's that that image of like the the you know the spawn the the baby alien coming out of the body the like pow. that that scene. It's just so heart like horrific and and just. I don't know. It just it, it really shocks you and puts you in that moment. Um, what do you think was the better performance of that character in Alien or in Spaceballs? <laughs> I remember that scene. Dude. <laughs> Not again. Not again. Oh freaking! Was hello, it, my darling. Hello, my baby. Hello, my right hand. Was it still a? Uh, um, it's same same actor. Uh, Hurt? John Hurt. John John Hurt. John Hurt. Right? I think it was John Hurt. Yeah. That's so funny, dude. I remember Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not technically a thriller, else it would be on the list. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's John Hurt. Um, but yeah, man, what are your top five favorite space thrillers? Man, this one was really tough. Um, I had five Interstellar, which nice. matched yours. Look at us. Look at us, yes. man. Right off the bat. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, love Christopher Nolan's, you know, vision in the movie and how all those little scenes kind of paid off at the end. And then those really emotional moments between him and the daughter. I I just think that really made that space thriller more real and grounded. Merv. Tell me don't go, Merv. Merv. Tell me don't go. Uh, also, uh, the best thing was created, or the best meme slash, I guess, like video was created for that, <laughs> was that scene with Matthew McConaughey watching the video, but instead of the video of his daughter, it's the Star Wars Force Awakens trailer. <laughs> that was the best, dude. I remember that. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's really good. Um, yeah, so that's my number five. I have nice. number... Four, I have, um, I have, damn, now I'm thinking like it's not really a crazy thriller. More of a mystery. I, I don't know. It's I, a mystery. It's Wait, a, what is it? It's a mystery. Moon. I have Moon Ooh. with Sam Rockwell. Daily um, City Loke? Yeah. It's not crazy thriller, but there are moments of mystery and you, you are slowly discovering what's happening to this person. Um, who's been mining on this moon for this whole time. And uh, there's a great, you know, payoff at the end um, with why he's there. And so those kind of like him almost beating his own mind and psyche and just kind of like 
catching on things and, and seeing the routine. Uh, very similar to, uh, I would say, Westworld, if you guys watch Westworld. Right on. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my number four. I've got number three, Apollo 13 as well. Holy shit. Look yeah. at us. We're in sync. Two for two. <laughs> <laughs> or two for three. Sorry. Um, yeah. Tom Hanks. Uh, I mean, just great. Ca- yeah. Great cast, man. Super cast. And it's um, as far as like the kind of space thriller and that, uh, you know, the scenes of, you know, low oxygen and, you know, the escaping death and, and danger and the, the risks of being up in space and, you know, leaving their lives behind and their families and whatnot. And, you know, that whole aspect of it too, that they put to the characters, um, which I always feel is, is um, similar to like interstellar is, is like a theme that always, you know, when you're out in space, you're so far away from your home and, you know, the people who are in your lives and, and that's gotta be another part of it. You know, instead of the training to become us, you know, um, you know, a, a space, you know, spaceman, and and go up there. Like it, it's also the, the mentality of being in space and, and being able to take that. But also the the um, the kind of um, spark for you know seeing beyond our world. And uh. movies like Apollo thirteen, man, like it's so inspirational and and really shows like where you know history was and and how it continues to be. Um, with space exploration. So yeah, Apollo 13, number three. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I've got number two, uh, redemption round for fifth element, uh, which was on (laughs) my guilty pleasures because it is a freaking guilty pleasure. Like it's not like the craziest best movie (laughs) ever, but it's freaking entertaining, man. And it's, um, it's, it's got some interesting characters to, to take you along. Um, Bruce Willis is, is, uh, just incredible in the movie and <laughs> plays a soft-spoken badass. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's and it's so unique in its own way. The way it was stylized and the character designs and the different aliens they had and um, yeah, Fifth Element. Very nice. Guilty pleasure. Very guilty. Guilty pleasure. I'll watch that all the time. Man. Um, so that's my number two. And right for my number one, I did have a Star Wars film, so I'm going to scratch that. Because we, we talk a lot of Star Wars in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure we both have our number one Star Wars film. <laughs> but uh, Empire Strikes Back. Correct. Correct you are. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my number one is also Alien. <laughs> Very nice. Holy shit, look at us, man. Yeah, dude. Three, three for five, right there. Yeah. What was your four again? Uh, moon. Moon. That's right. Moon. But I don't know, man. Alien. I, I just think it's such a. It has everything that a space thriller should have. It has the aliens, the suspense, the mystery of space and, and exploration, um, the horrors of the you know the of the psyche and and of the the world that's presented and. Um, it has a lot, it has so many different elements, a strong, uh, female character and, you know, the, the space crew and, and all the other characters that, you know, slowly, you know, get picked off one by one. And then the alien, the main character, the alien, such an iconic character in, in film and design, like, I mean, the way it was designed and how they still, you know, managed to use practical effects and still have the person dressed yes. in the suit and, 
you know, it's, um, it really is an alien that if I even saw that thing in my room, I would still be freaking scared. Poop your pants. I would still be freaking scared. Just shit. Yeah, man. I, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a character that grabs you that like, I mean, it would, you know, some people were afraid of, you know, murderers and stuff. I'm afraid of freaking aliens coming down. <laughs> no, I'm not afraid of aliens. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just, um, you know, that's one of Christine's like biggest fears. Oh dude. We, we can't watch like movies set in space. I still have to see Arrival because she's scared. <laughs> I haven't seen Arrival yet. Actually, that would have been on there too. If I, I have heard it's a pretty good film. So. I've heard really good things. And same dude who did Blade Runner, I'm pretty sure. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. so there you go. I think. Don't quote me. <laughs> aliens, that could be another top five. Something about aliens. Yeah, yeah. We should get Tom DeLonge. But, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I found that aliens. Uh, were not like me, but I was not like them. So we were like outsiders and like we connected (laughs) over my song aliens exist. And they really, they thought like angels and airwaves is like, because I named it airwaves, it got out on the airwaves and like reached their ship. Thanks Tom DeLong. (laughs) You're very welcome. Tell Mark I said fuck you. Wow, uh, that was weird. I miss Blink. Yeah, I miss when they were friends. I don't like it now. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, fame, fame, boys and girls. Yeah. Just um, friend killer. Yeah, Alien, dude. Number one. Alien is a good movie, dude. Hit it with the number one. <laughs> Aliens exist, Man. guys. That's crazy. I did not think our lists were going to be that similar. Uh, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. We're on the same you wave, know? wavelength, guys. Still. You know? <laughs> Shit just happens. Um, very good list, Johnny. Space thrillers. I like it. I like it a lot. So are you ready for another list? About yeah, to hit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, All right, all right. Johnny, what are your top five all-time favorite Genres. Ooh, genres. You see like, how they're connected? But oh, man. Not really it's like genres within genres kind of thing. Okay. Right. I mean, I love sci-fi and space thrillers. I don't know if those mesh together. Kind of sci-fi and space. Um, usually sci-fi kind of contains that kind of, you know, exploration in the universe and different worlds and species. Um and it's, I feel the most that it's the kind of the, that world of the unknown. And it's like, there's been so many depictions of like what it would, you know, what it would be if there was another alien race out there or what it would be if there was another world that is very similar to ours or has, you know, if there's a, a, a civilized society with technology and whatnot, um, you know, how would this world be? And I think there's so much there and so much story there. Um, and it's just, it's li- there's no limits to the imagination and um, can go as beyond as space itself. Uh, I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, like sci-fi, sci-fi, space. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, but man, I would say, uh, uh, I like. Oh man, this is tough. 
Because I could say musicals. I love musicals too. Right on. It's not. It's not my, my highest one. Um, maybe number. F- maybe number four. Um, All right. Musicals are always pretty fun, and they there's so many songs that can really tell a story too and that's what's uh, great about musicals is the finding the story within song and how they're all like you know um, stitched together and how each character kind of develops and grows and the songs help them kind of with that and give you that context and that and that character build so um, and there are tons of different musicals out there that depict so many different stories and and things there's again so many so many different ways you can go from there too um, and I guess it could be dw- uh, dwindled down to probably sub-genres from there. Um, but, yeah, I think musicals are definitely a fun one. Right on. Uh, let's see. This is, uh, man, this is tough. I really like, uh, I guess it'd be like thrillers, but um, I don't know. Like suspense thrillers? Just... Nothing in the horror genre, nothing really kind of uh, gruesome or anything like yeah. that. But stuff that really, it you spend the movie really um, either getting to know the character or at least you're, uh, um, you're a kind of observer and you're seeing how these different scenes play out. And with a suspense film there's different elements that are working like the music or um, maybe how the way the scene is set up and, or the setting of the place. And, the, and there's a lot of the different elements as far as, you know, lighting and, and all the physical elements too, that really kind of heighten and create that sense of thrill and, you know, and seeing a movie. And um, that's where it still boils down to like the genres also connect to like that feeling you get when you see the movie. Right. You know, that, um, so the thrill and, and, and yeah, with um, kind of suspense, it's you know it's those build-up moments and those little scenes and the little payoffs, and then it could lead to a bigger in the third act, a bigger you know send-off or or whatnot. So um, yeah, suspense. Very nice. Um, how many is that? Three, I think. Yeah, you got two more. Two more. Uh, damn, that's tough, dude. Uh. Oh man, I'm just thinking of so many subgenres, but it's like I'm thinking of all the movies that connect to them. It's like, oh, do I enjoy these movies? Or... Oh, dude. You know, I I do enjoy the mockumentary. Hell yeah. Genre, because it's great. Because it's it's you know what it, how like how documentaries are shot. You know that kind of format and the way it's supposed to to kind of depict real life. And a mockumentary obviously is is uh, is fictional. Like it's it's definitely not real, but it's made to you know to convince you that it's real. And since it's a mockumentary and you're in on that secret, uh, it makes it for kind of a, a fun ride. And there are like comedy, like I guess comedy mockumentaries where it's really heavy comedy, like Spinal Tap. I feel like is one of the great mockumentaries. You know, it tells oh, about yeah. this you know this band in the '80s. Um, talk about big bottoms and shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's great. There's so many great scenes in that movie, and and then you you still get you know the, you get to see uh, these characters, and I feel like in a mockumentary, since it's uh, it's very similar to a documentary where you're following the characters and you're constantly having the camera on the on the characters, I feel like you almost get a, a 
deeper connection to them, or at least that's the audience's connection to them. Like the the filming, uh, the the filmmakers are the ones like who are physically there trying to show you this movie that they're trying to make, and that that kind of like that fourth wall cross and that just kind of that. Um, that dynamic between the movies and that genre, I think is, is interesting too, because the audience is in on it. You know, they know it's supposed to be funny or, or they know it's, it's not a real band or, um, and that can be a kind of like mockumentary and then rockumentaries that, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, mockumentaries. Very nice. And one more, one more, oh, dude. I mean, I would say sci-fi is, is my number one. So, I don't know, second. Oh, man. Shoot. Damn. Damn. This is tough, dude. Number. Oh, I don't even know what number this will be. I would just say... I do like um, Damn, this is tough Because there's so many sub-genres I'm thinking, thinking of I think action adventure Is what I'm yep. looking for I, think that's, I was thinking of action But I was like, there's so many different types of action um, There's like the Heavy Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger Like action thriller You know, action thriller movies the Rock. We were just talking about The Rock previously before the, before we started recording. And um, can I can I just ask? Like I've always wondered this, but like the '80s action thrillers with like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sly Stallone, they have muscles upon muscles, and yet they never punch anyone. They always just have gigantic guns. Like how boring, right? Like, <laughs> like that's so crazy though. Because like, put those muscles to use. They never do though. Yeah, that, they always have guns. That was the thing, and it was that, like that was the like the whole I guess you know the celebrity the icon you know the icon to look at. It was it was like a celebrity thing eventually because it's like oh you know look at my my body or whatever. You know, like, yeah, and my guns. They're dude. swole, but like they yeah. didn't punch anybody. It's, it's it's insane to me. We gotta be woke, man. Yep. You gotta actually that's <laughs> all the bad guys, but um, no, dude. I think action adventure is definitely. Um, I would probably put that at number two, man, because that's definitely right. one of my favorite ones. And there's so many different, and that can actually dive a little bit into the sci-fi realm or into some of the other genres because um, it, it can apply to that. And when you take a, a a character or a group of characters and you put them through this journey and um, there's so many different things that happen along the way and they learn something about themselves or, you know, there's um, a new relationship that's made. Like, there's so many different um, ways that story can be told again. And with action-adventure, it's the, usually it's the setting, too, and, like, where you're at and how that kind of interacts with the, uh, the characters. And, um, yeah, man, tons of action-adventure films, dude. Like I Hell enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed Ready Player One, dude. Like I really enjoyed that film, and so I was, I was digging. You know, I would consider that action adventure film could be in the sci-fi realm, but some of the sci-fi is becoming real now with VR and all it's that true. stuff. So, and it's you know, uh, snake eating itself kind of concept of like scientists nowadays grew up on Star Wars wanting to make a lightsaber, and like you know what I mean. Like yeah. the movies are inspiring the the people who are doing it. Yes. Which is fucking crazy. Again, all that stuff matters, man. Right? 
It's it's right? uh, it's what keeps us keeps us going, keeps us all alive. Books, records, films, these things matter. These things matter, guys. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> end quote. And scene. And um, scene. Very nice, though, Sean. Uh, sci-fi, musicals, thrillers, mockumentary, action-adventure. I like it. Joe. I like it a lot. You like it a lot? Joe, what I are like your top five genres? I'm very interested to hear yours because you're... You're you're definitely a man of film, and and I feel like you as well have watched so many different genres. I yeah, I like them all. It's you know, um, but there's definitely some that I I, I lean more heavily towards. Um, number five, I'm going to go with documentary. I love learning. I love learning about new interesting things, um, and you know, some of my favorite films. I never think about it, but really are documentaries like End of the Century, the story of the Ramones is. And King of Kong, or, or you know, there's so many that are just like, there's such, of course, they're human stories because obviously it's real, but like the journey is inspiring or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's good to see that reflected. And then you have things like Ken Burns where you just do it, you're watching a history book unfold yeah. and it's exciting and there's first person accounts and I don't know, I just, documentaries take it to a whole other level um it's in like it's also that engaging factor too like for learning and 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 seeking this history too there's so much history and and within people within places and uh as a as filmmakers being able to to share that story as well i think that's important i think that documentaries actually i don't know why it's not on my list (laughs) (laughs) documentaries are important you know for also the preservation of of exactly. history, life, and film, you know? Totally. Um, but yeah, so that's land at number five for me. Um, number four, this is kind of an open-ended one, but just movies about relationships. Um, most of my favorite movies, um, like High Fidelity, you know, or, or a lot of the early Kevin Smith movies, I would say I was really inspired by. Just they're movies about people interacting with other people and whether it's a romantic relationship or, you know, siblings or what have you, like people just trying to figure out and make it work. And I, I, have always, you know, like high fidelity is like the movie. It's like someday I want to write something like that, where it's just about two people and they're trying to figure it the fuck out. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I've always been very, very interested in human relationships and guy and girl kind of thing. It's just like, so, you know, it could be romantic, or a romance movie, romantic comedy, it, you know, could be more of like a, like a breakup film, like high fidelity. But yeah. so just movies that cover relationships, if mm-hmm. that's, if that can be a genre. Yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a good one, man. And I feel like relationships are definitely important, especially in the films. Cause that's what really holds the plot and holds the, you know, the whole thing together. Yeah. You know, cause so it, that's, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Cut you off. Keep going. <laughs> we need to be sitting together so we can be better about that. I, I need to be oh. better about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit on my lap and let's record the fucking show together, man. <laughs> um, all right, number three. <laughs> weird imaginary audience is like, I'm leaving now. Um, number three. 
just laugh louder so I don't feel so weird if it is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, number three, uh, adventure. I love, I mean, that's kind of the whole reason we put on a movie is to escape and watch an adventure unfold. And whether it's, you know, I think comic book movies fall under this very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously action movies kind of fall under that. Um, but yeah, Indiana Jones, I would say is the ultimate adventure movie. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's got everything you want. It's got, you know, the theme of that swell of a score that makes you want to like, just march to it. And, <laughs> you know, it just fills you with pride when the hero like punches a bad guy in the face, that kind of thing. You know, just when he kisses the girl, like it's, it's those those moments, right? Yeah. yeah. So those character beats. Boom. <laughs> exactly. Um, number two, I'm going to say dark comedy or satire. Um, I love movies like with something they're trying to say, or you know, like a we're pointing this out. Get it? Like I don't know. Um, I'm thinking dark, like like Port of Call. New Orleans, uh, Bad Lieutenant. Is Bad Lieutenant, man. <laughs> one of my favorite fucking movies. And it's so fucking twisted and dark and like, but it's funny. It's really fucking funny. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know, man. Like shit like that. It's Death to Smoochie, you know, is, is oh, a pretty man. dark movie. Yeah. But I think it has a lot of good things to say. Um, so kind of writing that line, you know, yeah. if I'm going to watch something, I kind of want it to be a little fucked up. <laughs> so, but have a nice know, message at the end. <laughs> some, some shit I haven't seen before. Um, and then number one, dude, uh, film noir. It's yeah, it's my favorite film aesthetic. Um, inky shadows, morally ambiguous hero, just trying to figure it all out while the the dame is leading him astray. You know, like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I live for. So, um, film noir is my number one. Nice. Yeah, man, that that could be another top five right there, man. Your fa- top five favorite film noir movies. Ooh, ooh, let's do that soon. <laughs> Let us do that real soon. Real soon. Um, <laughs> I love it. Nice. So that was our journey through genres. Genres. Um, <laughs> Always fun. Oh yeah. And you know what? Genres um, are can be applied to any other types of media too. I mean, there can be book genres, and you know, there's. All so, so many different ways we can kind of dev- uh, to to kind of group um, the experiences you're going to get out of each piece of medium, I guess. And, Hell yeah! Um, yeah, favorite genres are are uh, you know I would say say a lot about <laughs> how we feel. <laughs> oh yeah, might make a comeback. I don't know, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, fucking a. Freaking it. <laughs> so those are our lists for the evening, but we do have one more. Uh, we have been doing a weekly segment, and uh, it has been Beatles-related. We have Beatles. gone through the Beatles' entire discography, their UK uh, discography, LPs, um, starting with Please Please Me, with the Beatles, uh, Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale, Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, uh, Magical Mystery Tour, The White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, and today, 
we Today. we reach we reach the very end of our of our Beatles journey um, with Let It Be. Um, so Let It Be was the album they recorded after the White Album. Paul McCartney wanted he was very ambitious, but didn't really have a firm objective. Wanted to uh, start playing shows again and have a documentary made about them making the album and, and prepping for all these concerts. George Harrison quit the band famously during the making of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when they did the whole rooftop gig um, to give an ending to the film. They wound up going back into the studio and, and making this album and then not liking any of it. They shelved all of it because they'd yeah. done so much improvisation and just kind of jam sessions. They didn't really have a, a form a form-fitting album or, or uh, an, an album with structure, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, God, I'm blanking on the name. I want to say Glenn Jones, but I feel like I'm wrong. Tried to produce it and they didn't care for it. They wanted yeah. what it was. It was originally going to be called the get back or get back, uh, get back, getting back to their roots. Um, and they wound up, giving the tapes over to Phil Spector of all people. Yeah. Um, that, I found that interesting with, uh, reading up on the, um, kind of the record and I didn't realize how many people went, it went through, uh, like mm-hmm. as far as producers and just kind of the different versions it had. And it's crazy to think like with, especially on the, uh, with tape, like tape recordings, like how they were able to, to do that and kind of the weird legalities between them, all that. And, um, yeah, it's crazy. Like, uh, and there are some good songs on this record. Don't get me wrong. There are, yeah. Um, some that I, I feel, you know, as as I I guess the f- official last Beatles record, I would say stand the test of time. Like I feel like some of them really yeah. will connect with like Beatles fans. Um, but it it is an interesting story behind the record. Yeah, what I think is the most fascinating part is that they shelved it and then went and fucking spit out Abbey Road, which is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's. I like to think of that more as their final Beatles, album. But this, yeah. of course, was released after they actually announced they were breaking up. Paul McCartney, John Lennon, quit the band first. They convinced him not to say anything because it would ruin their record deal. And then um, Paul McCartney put out his first solo record like a week or two weeks before Let It Be came out, and included oh, like a, an interview in the sleeve. And it said, "Are you with? Are you still with the Beatles? No." Are you going to make any more Beatles music? No. And it was, that's like the official, like Beatles are broken up. And then a few weeks or months later, let it be comes out. So it's, yeah, I, I kind of tried to like put myself in the mind of like a Beatles fan in 1970. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I already know that the Beatles are broken up. Like, and we're just getting this kind of last record to, really, you know, yeah, this last kind of thing. Yeah. It's got, I'm sure it was quite a listen for people getting it at that time. And, um, for Beatle fans, you know, that's a, a sad day, obviously, when they broke up. And, and again, now, you know, now looking at it uh, even further as far as, like, when it was recorded and it was shelved and the process behind it and the different changes, um, you know, uh, that's why I think, yeah, I agree with you on Abbey Road. I think it was, it was definitely solid, I would feel, like, last record. But um, yeah. there's some good songs on this, this record, dude. There um, are. I was uh, surprised by how much I enjoyed it, to be honest. I've listened to it before, but it's never stuck with me. Yeah. Um, but what did you, you think? What were your overall I, I liked impressions? It. The, it's weird because I, I, 
maybe because I was like so say I don't have this on my list actually, but Across the Universe was one of the songs that I I, I remember like listening like I remember it was on this record, and I always relate back to um, the Across the Universe uh, the the musical movie and their right. version of it that they did um, that was kind of more fresh in my mind. So when listening back um, to the record, including the first couple tracks, you can kind of hear that like what you're saying with them. Just it wasn't like a defined, um, you know, session or like you know, recording experience. Um, yeah. It doesn't feel like there's any single direction that they're trying to yeah. push the record. Yeah, and you can you can definitely tell in it, um, even with the 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 uh, first couple songs and the and the writing. Um, even though you know it's still at the core of Beatles, you know, it's a Beatles pro, you know production. Um, but in you know, hearing the orchestrations from like Phil Spector that was very interesting to hear um you know definitely reminiscent of like early George Martin um orchestral arrangements too you know we we were talking about his his uh George Martin's uh impact on the Beatles and and their production and how they sound so um yeah dude I I don't know I I it was I would say Abby wrote like it I felt that way. Like I really did. Like Abbey Road was like a good ender for me and let it yeah. be like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I could say here, my number one is let it be. It, it is probably Same. one of the greatest Beatles songs of all time. It, it is really one of the, one of the great songs of all time. I, I think it's, it's almost like Hey Jude light. Yeah. Hey Jude Jr. Almost, you know, it's very similar kind of piano bass. Very similar in the kind of the way it's, you know, it's performed in the kind of vibe and texture. But at the same time, it like, I feel like it carries more weight to it. Like there's just so much more soul and, and you can really feel like even though some of those songs may have not gelled together or worked as well together, I think like that, that song was just, um, very well put together. Yeah. It's a funeral song. Dude, it's yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty heavy, man. <laughs> it's heavy. <laughs> like, yeah. But um so I mean that kind of leads me to to my list. I mean, I I put let it be at number 1. Um nice. it will it will stay there for will stand the test of time. It so, will. um and then I'll just go back up so I've got you know, I'm going to count up this time. So, we'll do right. number 2, get back, man still a very catchy Beatles song Um, again I was introduced to the song through the one record because I feel like I got most of my Beatles same yeah uh, you know I got most of uh, the rest of their catalog through that um, that record so I remember that song being on I think like the first or second disc I think I I wonder if it's first I'll have to look at that on CD yeah mine was just one disc one disc huh Oh, dude, there's, it's like... But it was, came at the end of the record. I think so, yeah. Shit, I don't know. We'll have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Track listing. Oh, we're getting too geeky about this. Um, but, I mean, Get Back is just, um, I don't know, it's like that fun kind of marching yeah. feeling. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's a strong, you know, entrance and... Yeah, I, I mean a good a good classic Beatles song, and out of all the songs on the record, it definitely felt like that Beatles vibe, like you know the yeah. traditional Beatles vibe. 
And like the most polished, I thought. Most polished, yes, for sure. And um, usually, I mean, you know, we we are true believers in, in punk music and and usually not giving a fuck about <laughs> how you're playing or whatever. But um, you know, for 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 the performance, and you can tell like it was rehearsed and and put together, and um, yeah, pretty fun song. Right on. That's my uh, oh, that's my number two. Uh, my number three, I think is probably one of my, I, this will probably go down as one of my favorite Beatles, like ballad songs, um, by written by Paul McCartney, long and winding road. Really? Um, yeah, dude. Uh, and it's the last, it's the last track on this record. I believe. Um, it is one of my, it is one of my favorite, like ballad songs. I don't know. Right on. It's well, I don't, I mean, Yeah. It, it obviously tells about a place, um, which I think was about, I think his farm, I think. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, at Paul McCartney's farm. And, but it's also about, you know, like his relationship too. And, um, I don't know. It's very visual. There's a lot of imagery in the song. And, um, again, I, uh, polished. And for the last song on the track, you know, I think it was, even though even though it had that ballady style and it don't it didn't go out with like a crazy bang or anything, I just thought it was a it's a good way to kind of le you know finish off the record, yeah. leave the listener, you know, in a calmer state. I can't say. <laughs> Wait, I, I think it ends one, right? Oh. It's the last track on one, because get back is the last track. Oh on no, I, yeah, I'm so sorry, dude. No, no, no. I was just like, because that's no, so, um, it's, it no, would that be a was more the, appropriate last track. That was the last song they recorded. It was oh, Long shit. and Winding Road. Yes. I was, oh, okay. I remember I was, I was looking at my notes and I was like, I put last Beatles song and I was like, I think I can, I connected to the end of the record. And I was like, no, you're right. Get back is the last song. I just talked about it. So, um, it's the last, I guess, official one they, they just recorded together. We're together for. Oh, okay. And, that's um, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of trips me out too. Cause it's like the last one, the last recording sessions they probably had, you know, that's like one of the last songs they wrote all together. Damn. Um, that's, that's crazy. And to like now, you know, now hearing that, you know, hearing that or seeing that information and connecting it with the song, it's like a whole nother level too of, of appreciation. So, yeah. Uh, <sighs> sorry, dude. I'm, like, I'm a little yawning over here. <laughs> Coffee crash, crazy. man, from earlier. Um, and then I've got uh, uh, what's this number four? I've I, I've got a feeling. Um, yes, yes. Love the tune. Very fun. It was one of the rooftop concert songs. Um, I think it's the one I kind of usually envision when I, uh, when I picture that kind of scene and, um, that the images from that, that concert. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty oh, yeah. groovy track. <laughs> it is. It really is. And, uh, and then my number five, I've got, uh, Maggie May. <laughs> Ooh. I had to look it up cause I was like, this sounds, this is like a, it sounds like a traditional, a song, and it was a traditional Liverpool song about a prostitute stalking sailors. That's really cool. So, <laughs> oh Maggie, oh May. So I was uh, kind of confused and, <laughs> and interested <laughs> in the song at the same time. Um, nice, but yeah, 
just a fun little song. It is. And that's 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 what I'm uh, now you know seeing it as like I guess the last Beatles song in in you know release. Um, just like some of these songs, at least they it wasn't as experimental, I would say, as some of the previous works. Right. But also, I feel they um, they stayed true to the kind of core of the Beatles. And I know that you know, of course, they it wasn't a solidified record. I feel. Um, but you can say that, yeah, it, it was, you know, there's a couple good songs on there. Yeah. And, uh, let it be, man. That's one of my favorite ones. Let it be. I definitely feel like this album is a lot of like loose ends and scraps just kind of yeah, put together. There's some and gems in there for sure. There are gems. Yeah. It definitely feels like a seventies record. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, recorded before the, before the seventies, but it definitely feels like. It has a 70s, it has a brown vibe, if you know what I mean, yeah. you know? Um, so, I don't know. For, uh, number five, I'm going to go with uh, George Harrison's For You Blue. Um, I like the slide guitar on this. It has kind of a country, yeah, country feeling to it. Yeah. Um, and, but I really like George Harrison's vocals on it. Uh, I like the slide guitar. And it's just got a fun kind of um, steady beat to it you know mm-hmm. i don't know i i, I found myself kind of <laughs> just like, getting to it it's you like know? mr downtown <laughs> <laughs> it's got that like sly moving vibe <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good oh top five that thing you do or uh wonder oh, songs oh dude no. <laughs> wonder songs or uh uh top five Bands that were on the Playtone Records, like Ooh. the uh, God Shank. No, God, who did they go with? I'm I'm blanking. I there know, was dude. <laughs> my first my first guy and girl thing oh, was yeah. <laughs> Diane Dane. Diane Dane. Dane. Uh, Dale Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> you are my number one, one fan. fan. <laughs> I am Spartacus. Love that movie. Damn, we're, we're coming so up with like, actually a lot of good top five ideas this episode. I, I think so. We're not running out of ideas, so. ideas just yet, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, I've Got a Feeling. I've Got a Feeling. It, it's the last Paul McCartney, John Lennon song, like where they took two parts and put them together and you get a damn good song. Um, and I love just full bearded Paul McCartney. I've got a fan. Yeah. <laughs> it was like screaming, just like, <laughs> like a crazy man. And then you got John Lennon. Everybody had a good, yeah. <laughs> like, it's fucking great. Um, <laughs> it's a, that weird yin and the yang kind of thing with them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like the different, I don't know, different vibes. It's probably the first track on this record that I kind of was like, ooh, okay. Ooh, yeah. I, think this. I, I actually um, felt the same way. It, yeah. it definitely grabbed me a little bit more. Uh, it's, I mean, when you kind of think about it longer, it's kind of a silly song. I've got a feeling, <laughs> feeling deep inside. Oh, yeah. But he never says what it is. And I don't know. It's just kind of like, I, I love it. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying, like, it's just kind of funny. I don't know. <laughs> It's kind of silly when you start to think about it. Uh, but so is a lot of music. Um, silly. Number three, I actually couldn't believe this wasn't on your list. Uh, Two of Us, the opening track. Oh, man. Um, 
I really fell in love with this song hard. Um, it's a beautiful little tune. It sounds a little folky. Yeah, even. yeah. And it's that's, I think, part of what contributes to the 70s vibe I get from this record, especially that this is the leadoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really sweet, beautiful song with a good gallop. It's a good driving song. Um, and I guess he wrote it for Linda. And then I read a quote where he's like, I write all my love songs for Linda. And it's like, oh, Aww. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and then number two, get back. Number one, let it be. Um, <laughs> although I will say let it be. I like the single version. I like the guitar solo on the single version better than the album version. I think yeah. it muddies it up a little bit. Yeah. It's a little too dirty for the song. Um, I think I read the on the anthology records too. I think they did a different version of Let It Be. Oh shit! I gotta yeah. I gotta dive into it, anthology. It's crazy. Like I I really read because I, I was always interested in the Beatles how they recorded their music too, and just seeing like all of the you know the Phil Spector renditions of them and like all the different versions of the songs, dude. It, it's it's incredible how many kind of ways it. Just kind of relating to Blade Runner, how you're you know talking about the different director's cuts and like different versions and. Which, which one, one is the true one? Yeah, which one's the true one? I mean, I, I feel like yeah, the the you know from the single version, let it be like that one definitely has that that kind of sound to it, and there's specific elements like the guitar in it that really make it stand out. So um, that's very interesting. Yeah, the and I think I have the anthology with with let it, that version, let it be, and then I don't have a single. On it. I know. I knew you've been collecting. So, well, well. The, I mean, I, I guess I should say the version that I grew up with on the one CD is different than the version on the Let It Be album, and I just Got assumed it. it was the single version. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. The 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 version that appears on one is my favorite. On version. one. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. It's still good on Let It Be though. Um, strong. Such a strong. But yeah. So so, Shawnee, we've come to the end of our, our Beatles. Uh, Beatles mania. <laughs> yeah. Can, I think we can continue it a little bit longer. If What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Next week, let's do our top five Beatles records. Oof. After all the ones we've listened to and discussed, yeah. what are the top fives? Wow. It's been 12, 12 of these. So uh, now we're going to narrow it down to five. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And then maybe, I don't know, top five John songs, top five Paul songs. Paul we songs. could we could stretch this out for a while. We can. Let's do it. I I'm down. <laughs> I love talking Beatles. So the Beatles. Uh, good good excuse. Good excuse to do it. <laughs> um Shawnee, uh that was that was great. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, Good top five. Do you have Do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience this week, my friend? Uh not not much, really. Um, yeah. Good. Good. I'm Good guys. E three is happening right now, so if anyone's into video games, uh, check YouTube. Uh, go. I don't know. There's probably a lot of games dropping right now, so I'm super excited to see what kind of games are coming out this year and been heavily enjoying my nintendo switch as well as is that what you're calling it these days the nintendo switch <laughs> oh the switch the swish <laughs> um grab me by the switch <laughs> grab <No. me. laughs> um yeah not much to share this week just kind of 
you know, chilling. Um, stoked for, for video games. How about that? Right on. Very uh, good. Joe, do you have anything to share this week? Yeah, I want to do a quick shout out to uh, my brother, Matt, and his girlfriend, Bianca. They visited um, Saturday and we got to have breakfast, that, breakfast with them yesterday. Um, it was a really great visit. Um, took some fun pictures down by the beach and had some good drinks, had some good dinner, good ice cream, uh, and an all around great time. So thank you guys for visiting. We love you and we hope to see you again soon. And then um, also, um, I recently just got and powered through this 500, almost 600 page graphic novel, uh, Blankets by Craig Thompson. Blankets. It is a heartbreaking masterpiece is how I'll describe it. It's about young love, first love, but it's also a story about brothers. It's a story about growing up with faith and losing your faith and um, I related to it on so many levels and um, I can't recommend it enough. I, it was, what do the kids say? It hit me in the feels. Um, and, uh, feels. and I really loved it and I, I want to tell everyone about it. Um, and yeah, blankets by Craig, by uh, Craig Thompson. Blankets. Cool. There you go. Thank yeah. you for the recommendation. Anytime, anytime, and, anytime. Anytime at all. Um, but yeah. Shawnee, where can we find uh, more of your work on the internets this week, sir? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Shawnee Music and also on my website, shawneemusic.net. Uh, Joe, where can we find more of your work? You can try and follow me on Instagram at Joey Prodi, but it is private. But you know what's not private? Imaginary audience is my website, joeyprodiscripts.com. You can also check out the very public um, Top 5 Pod. That's T-O-P-F-I-V-E 5 P-O-D on Instagram, Gmail, and Twitter. And you can check us out on Facebook, Top 5 Podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow, watch us, or follow us on iTunes, leave us a fucking review, please, because we're still at zero. And um, we just hope you're enjoying <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Enjoy. Enjoy um, our top fives. We are serving you our top fives to yeah. listen to. And we welcome uh, people listening. Absolutely. All the time. All the time. All the time. Um, Shawnee, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fucking fun, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> until next time, I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks for a listening. Yeah.